Welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is Dr. Dave. Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes and Google Play. Episode Agile 2018-1 Diversity and Inclusion Looking Forward, What We Can Do This is a special episode on diversity and inclusion in the Agile community that was kickstarted at the Agile Tonight event during the Agile Alliance Agile 2018 conference in San Diego, California. At the Agile Tonight event on Tuesday, August 7, 2018, four Agile Alliance members shared stories about the direct effect of diversity and inclusion on their lives with a room full of other members. It was a first, and I'm very appreciative to be a part of that experience. It was a beginning of a conversation that was long overdue. So thank you, Agile Alliance members, for demonstrating courage to create space for this conversation to take place. I was one of the members sharing stories about inclusion. Many people came up to me and said, thank you for being courageous for sharing your story. Putting yourself out there meant a lot to me. Others felt the conversation was too light and did not go far enough because they wanted a deeper dive into the diversity and inclusion topic. A few who were transparent enough said, it was too sad and heavy. I will assume positive intent for those who felt the subject was too heavy. Four brave people decided to join me for this podcast at the Agile 2018 conference in San Diego, California. They were Alex Harms, Jenny Tarwater, Cara Turner, and Steve Holier. They requested that we use the title, Looking Forward, What We Can Do. We use Lean Coffee to create topics for the diversity and inclusion discussion. Lean Coffee was created by Jim Benson and Jeremy Lightsmith. Learn more about Lean Coffee by visiting www.leancoffee.org. The topics included in the Lean Coffee are listed in priority order, and they are as follows. 1. Why are we so fearful? 2. Can I combine inclusivity and accessibility into one Agile Alliance initiative? 3. Example of things that help, learning from experience that people already have. 4. What don't I know? 5. Why is this topic personally important to me? 6. Are we using the Agile Alliance Code of Conduct to shut down conversations or open them up? 7. White Women's Tears 8. Transparency and 9. Code of Conduct Training I will pass the mic for individual introductions. Alex, Jenny, Cara, and Steve, please share a little about who you are with the audience. Hi, I'm Cara. I'm, I'm from an organization called Codex, and I'm here to discuss diversity and inclusion. And my name is Steve. I'm an independent coach from the U.S., but living in Zurich, Switzerland, and I'm also here to discuss diversity and inclusion. Hi, good evening. I am Jenny Tarwater. I am an independent collaboration coach from Kansas City, and my Twitter is at Jenny Casey Mo. Hi, I'm Alex Harms. Um, I'm also a coach, like everybody else here, I think. Yeah, and this is Dr. Dave Cornelius, I'm the host of Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave, and I'm also a coach, and I think we have a theme for tonight. What is that theme? I think it says, what can we do, or something? What can we do? Looking is that a forward. good thing? Looking, looking forward. forward? What can we do? Yeah, looking forward, what can we do? That's the theme. So we're going to do a lean coffee here, and we have several topics that we want to cover tonight. And so let's begin with the very first topic. Who's first topic? Who's on both? They get two minutes to give us. So mine was the first one. Um, what don't I know? Um, so since we're in a diversity and inclusion uh, podcast, I don't know what I don't know. So uh, I ask for help um, sometimes when uh, we're talking about a diverse topic with diverse people. 
So I test it with people. Um, but what do other people do? Like, how do you find out what's okay? And what do you, how can you find out um, what you're missing? Do you guys have questions about that or was that clear? Good. Uh, good. 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 Me. Sounded clear. Okay, yeah. thank you. Next card. Um, I was thinking, so we're sitting here in Agile Alliance space, and I was feeling a lack of um, an initiative for inclusivity and accessibility. And both of those things have been on my mind since I've been here. And I'm wondering if it makes sense to combine them or if I'm... Um, cutting somebody out or selling somebody short by combining the two things. So that's a question I have for you. For y'all. For y'all. For y'all. That's what I'm trying to say. For, for all y'all. <laughs> As we're looking into uh, the future, I would ask how can we use the code of conduct to open up conversations rather than shutting them down. And from what that, by that, I mean, I've had, uh, I've had several experiences where people have wanted to shut down good conversations about diversity and inclusion out of fear that those conversations may be violating the code of conduct. Uh, and I want to talk about that. Um, I'm track chair for the Collaboration Culture and Teams track. And very specifically, we had some submissions about diversity and inclusion, and our reviewers worried that accepting these submissions might actually violate the code of conduct. Very interesting question for me. Looking forward to having a more in-depth discussion about that. Transparency is also mine, and I think they're related uh, because it's how do we create the kind of transparency that's needed to make these conversations safe for everybody, actually, because these are, before the show started, we were discussing what we wanted to talk about. And I, I'll only speak for myself here, but I was hesitant to talk about things. Uh, and that's also related to transparency. Can we be transparent and what transparency is needed? And, and the, the next, next one's, one's mine as well, so we should make sure. Keep going, my friend. I feel like you've got some thoughts on all of these topics. Yeah. Well, come on, Steve. Come on, Steve. Come on, Steve. The last, well, I have another one coming up, but this question is actually something that's really inspired by many of my conversations with Cara, but it's what kind of training does, this, or does an organization, any organization, need to have? around the code of conduct to make sure that that code of conduct is valuable. And um, as another example, um, if you read the code of conduct at this conference, it says if there is a, if you have concerns about the code of conduct, talk to any track chair. I'm a track chair. And when I read that, I thought, oh, what am I going to do when somebody comes to me with a concern? And yes, I did have, I, I do know what to do. And I also don't know what to do. So who's next? Uh, I'm next. This is, I'm interested in talking also about examples of things that are already working, tools that help, and learning from experiences that people are already having so that we can build on what's known. If I could show an appreciation for the fact that you're wanting to amplify positive in this area, I'm just, I'm a little overwhelmed with your topic right now. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Nice perspective. What about the next card? Whose card is this? Uh, that's also mine. <laughs> and as I, we're sitting around this table and I'm looking at all of us, so this, this question is, why is this topic personally important to me? And I wrote it not to discuss, really, I mean, I could go on and on about why it's important to me, but I would like to hear each of us say, why is this important to each of us? And part of the reason behind my question is one is just really full curiosity. And another, as I look around the table, I'm not sure I see a lot of diversity around this table talking about diversity. And so I'm really just interested in our own stories a little bit. All right, so mine is next. Um, it's kind of a tactical question. Um, when in question, is it ever okay? And what I meant by that was whether it be whether it be a t-shirt that somebody riffs on a song 
that actually has some implications, some some word choices that m might not be inclusive um, or could cause harm, is it ever okay? And where is that line? And how do we know? Good question. So my next card is, why are we so fearful? Mm. And I ask this question because you know, as a person of color, I, I walk and I live this every day and I've been living it for a long time. So if I'm open and willing to speak to it in a very transparent way, I said, why are we so fearful? Let's have the, the dialogue and um, let's see where the chips land and then we'll learn from it. This is another card that just came up. When, when, when we were, we're speaking, speaking of the, the, the fearful. fearful. Um, um, I'm reminded of a, of a topic that makes me a little bit fearful, and that's the, the question of the white woman's tears, which I'm not, I'm not sure who's familiar with that trope, that oh, term, yes. and who's not. Uh, as, but it's very common when talking about anti-racism work that at some point, and that happens in almost every Facebook conversation, every forum, public conversations that when the subject reaches a certain, the subject comes to a certain point, it's, it's a, I'm not used to defining this, um, uh, it's a well-known pattern. pattern, trope, story that uh, the, white, the white woman begins to cry and the tears of the white woman drown everybody else in the room may at least turn the conversation to be completely about the white woman's pain, which of course I grew up in the South and this, especially the white Southern male reaction is to rescue the white woman who's crying. And the people who end up drowning in the tears are the black women and the other people of color. And so there, that could be something that's, because that comes up so much, that, that could be something that's really interesting to talk about and something I'm a little fearful of broaching at this moment as well. Okay. So I actually, I, something came up for me and I wrote a new card and I'm gonna stop because I think that we could probably spend hours and hours and hours coming up with topics on this that are important to all of us and we're not going to be able to cover all of them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna de-scope mine. Okay. So um, I think <clears throat> since you've taken that off the table, then let's take the time to dot vote and figure what topics do we want to talk about. And let's say that each person gets three votes and you could apply them to all cards or across multiple cards, but each person gets three votes. And then we'll prioritize and then start our discussion. So the order of the cards so far with the most votes, number five is, why are we so fearful? The second one is, can I combine inclusivity and accessibility in one initiative? And the third one was, it's hard for me to read it upside down, so. Examples of things that help initiatives are already working, how we can learn from what is already being done. And what's the other one? What, what don't, don't I, I know? know? Okay, and then are we using are we using the code of conduct to open up conversations or to shut them down? That's probably enough topics, right? That's enough topics, do you think? Five minutes each? One, two, three, four, five. That's about five minutes. Okay, so let's start with the first topic. So the first topic is, um, <laughs> why are we so fearful? And I know that oftentimes, as we go through difficult topics, um, it's, it's really hard to express how we feel and, and do so in a way that we're not really stepping on other people. And just a discourse in this country, the way things are, if you say certain things, then you automatically get a label. Right? And something you could even be ostracized from a specific group. Or, and and it, really, it could even impact your profession as a whole. Right? I mean, so... The thing is, is how do we get around being transparent? Because this is one of the elements, or one of the key tenets of agility itself to be transparent. How can we do so in a kind way 
and have this dialogue about diversity and inclusion without always having to be so fearful about it. You know, I don't think we have to be negative. We don't have to use, you know, some of those words that disparage people. But I strongly believe that we, we should be able to have this dialogue, whether we're at the Agile Alliance conference or we're in a small group somewhere, or even in, an, in our community, we should be able to have that conversation. So um, I want to hear from you guys. That brings up a question for me. Thank you. That um, I would like to know what specifically we're afraid of. So what came up for me with this topic and, both, and your question both is why are we so fearful? It's because this is important. And with, with, with power comes responsibility. So I'm fearful because I don't want to make, I don't want to cause damage. And I don't want to be, um, what's the word, non-deliberate. I want to be deliberate about choices. And so my fear comes from um, feeling a lack of information. I really, I really honor that you say that and, and it resonates it resonates quite deeply with me, Jenny. I, th I think I'm feeling some of the same thing. And I'm a person who chooses my words carefully, especially when I sense that the, that the subject is important. So that, that comes into play. I, I feel like there's a hesitation to talk about this topic and that there's a lack of transparency around the topic, which you've both implied and because there's a lack of transparency around the topic it makes me wonder it makes a topic it, it amplifies somehow amplifies the the intensity and it makes me afraid uh, afraid to talk to talk about it openly because i'm not really sure what's happening under the waters mm -hmm. that that's not my whole answer so i might come back to the rest of my answer later okay I'd like to add, uh, my experience has been that we have so little experience of navigating these conversations that they're very hot topics and when we, we don't know where the unknowns are. So when we're talking about things that we know are going to affect people in a way we don't know, we're always cautious and we don't know what's going to happen, the more we have the conversations, the better we can hold the space for ourselves and each other. And I think the fear comes from that. It, they are very extreme topics. They're things people don't want to think about. And when we do and they're open, they can think about them more. You, go ahead. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm smiling, smiling so, so big, big right, right now because I have, I have a takeaway take already. already. And, and thank you for, for that. that. Um, I'm always surprised when we don't use agile practices, methods, values in the work that we do. One of the things I talk about a lot is when things are hard, do it often, right? That's why we plan often. That's why we demo often. That's why we learn often. I think a way to counteract that fearfulness is for us to make mistakes but practice and try. And, and the more that we do it, the more that we all do it, the better we'll get at it. And we're gonna mess up as we go along, but we have a safe to fail culture with agility. So let's fail so that we can move forward. And I'd like to add, add to that, that it can be high risk failure. It can be, it can cause deeper hurt and deeper, uh, it can create harm. So being part of educating yourself and adding information into your system and being kind are really important parts of that, that we test with care uh, and create the right uh, guardrails for ourselves, I guess. So, you know, so you're saying bounded autonomy in, in that context of being able to get out there and, and really have this discussion. I, I know we just had a dialogue about it in terms of a diversity and inclusion topic here at the Agile Alliance. And, um, you know, we walk through different stories, but 
was that enough or is it just enough as a start to begin this dialogue so we could have it openly and honestly part of the fear that i have that hasn't been spoken yet is fear that i won't tread the line between power and lack of power i'll say well enough because power is powerful and none of us here want to piss off people with power to the extent that they won't help right that's definitely part of the fear that comes up for me is how do i engage with power all right so that ends our first topic why are we so fearful so the next topic i'll have the person who wrote it um introduce that topic so we can move forward alex i'm sorry alex i would allow alex to read that topic alex please my question was can i combine inclusivity and accessibility um as one task i have this fantasy of asking the agile alliance to allow an initiative on the topic i have this fantasy of asking the agile alliance to allow an initiative on that topic and i the two things have both been forefront in my mind i couldn't hear the keynote very well and i was thinking what is closed captioning costs is it doable seems like it should be doable we have a roller coaster i don't know <laughs> um but but i wanted to know if i was if i was uh cutting somebody out or minimizing something by combining the two things as a topic if i should not be talking about them together it's a strange question i know but i would like to know what you all think i don't feel like it's strange i feel like there's relevance it's a good and difficult question you've made me think about it again we car and i ran a session on monday alex was there um talking about diversity and inclusion and we're still we're still retrospecting on it and and learning what we will do differently the next time we do it but one thought i've had is that we in addressing inclusion we didn't bound the topic really in any way and i felt for the purpose of our discussion it might have been useful to put some constraints around it to be able to focus i'm not sure that's true but in thinking along those lines in in think and uh, in thinking along those lines uh the thought that i had when you asked your question was in talking about both can help them both rise like the all boats rise together talking about them both at the same time but separately might help them both i want to share that i realized i thought it was a strange question and it's been sitting in my head percolating and i realized that what i'm asking is whether accessibility matters i'm asking whether including people with disabilities is as important as including transgender people or women or people of color or whatever and that's not a question that i really want to be asking i would look at it as how do we include because i like the distinction or the question is it as as important when you start thinking about that there there are hard things to do different things to think about in all of those different areas some of them require more work and more thinking and they matter and they feel a little bit more intense if we say we take another topic that's about inclusion off the table to handle or to look at something else it feels to me like if we're building an inclusive practice it should be broader rather than narrower but it should take care of everybody and that makes sense in my opinion anyway so Jenny I think you have something to say yeah. jump in for, there for me um when i look at the boundary of the word inclusive i can't see that there's a difference with that than accessibility but i do know that the words have different meaning for different people so i'm going to own my version inclusivity to me means nobody's excluded and that would include gender or th- sorry let me put this in a different way 
These would improve, include legally protected, identified um, characteristics, and, and non-legal and things that we don't talk about. So like for me, I'm like, I can't figure out how to put those into two different camps. So let's take neurodiversity for, a, for an example. I can't identify where to put that into exclusivity and accessibility. But then again, I don't know what I don't know. Could we reach out to you and learn more about that from, right? Because that's the other way to gain more information. What we don't know, we could ask someone. Someone has to know this information. Any experts that we think that we may know? Or maybe we could research that as a topic that we could really pursue in the future. I'd forgotten about a very interesting conversation that I had earlier in the year because I was invited to speak to it at an IT conference, but not an agile IT conference. So I would have been maybe the only agile representative there. And at the same time, I was getting in touch with their diversity inclusion teams who were who were on their own journey and they were on this journey asking about accessibility and other forms of inclusion. And I felt like this conference had done a lot better with inclusion than we had in the IT space and we're the agile people. Um, I reached out to their diversity inclusion team and asked them for advice about how I should deal with diversity and inclusion at the Agile Alliance. And so when it comes to talking about going out to experts, there are experts, and I'm wondering if there's other communities that we're really related to that we can help each other out in that aspect. Because I could talk to the diversity and inclusion team of another organization about things without worrying about any politics from my organization. So that, I mean, that's a little bit off topic, but that, that's where that question about who could we reach out to, that's what that made me remember. Okay, so um, let's move on to the next topic. So the next card that's up in the deck, it's Kara's. My mind has gone blank. <laughs> <laughs> so what did it say? Yeah, it's of things, things that are helping, that are working already, learning from experiences people have already. That makes it a great comp. Uh, topic, I think. <laughs> but what is working? Mm. I mean, there's some things working. It's not perfect. Codex so is, is working, working, right? Yeah. Codex is working well. Um, th I think, in fact, I think the reason we're integrating well is because we've taken care not just of one thing, but of many different aspects of what it, what diversity means and what inclusion means. That we look at, and we've learned particularly from behavioral economics, from um, scarcity science, of the different kinds of operating conditions for people who come from under-resourced communities, particularly that aren't taken care of in a software community, which is typically an affluent environment to be in. There's also a huge focus on making sure that uh, we pay attention to the visual, the social cues that people have about gender or uh, race. We're very multiracial. We're, we've got a decent kind of 35% women, uh, decent, I, I'll be happy at 50%, to be honest. We have a good outreach process. And I think a lot of, um, there are many known things about uh, the absence of diversity, the absence of being able to see yourself surrounded in the people that surround you is part of the imposter syndrome feeling that keeps people falling out. So making sure we amplify the opportunities for people who are different from ourselves as allies, as one of the white people sitting here, that we create those opportunities and support them and keep, uh, it's not always easy. It's seldom easy. So knowing and educating yourself about what might be hard and then dealing from with the fact that the other hard stuff is going to come up that you didn't think about, but being present for what, for working through the difficult, uh, and recognizing every success. I think that's the th thing that's important to me about this topic. 
things do succeed a little bit and sometimes people pat themselves on the back and then they kind of go, okay, we've achieved it and they go away. And sometimes people look at it and go, I've only done this little thing and I can see this huge mountain in front of me and I don't know how to do the rest and that first part was hard. And being able to say that part is done and it was good and we can go a little bit further and do a little bit more. So I, I want to share something because you've spoken about Codex in South Africa and I'll talk to you about Five Saturdays in the United States. right? Uh, and the way, you know, I'm founder of that program, the way we've constructed that program, it's such that there's diversity top to bottom, balance with women, balance with people of color in terms of the leadership group, making sure that we find people from different walks of life to participate. And the students that we do serve you know, as from a diverse background, we have about 50% women participation in, in our STEAM program. And I put the A in there because we're agile, right? Because we're all about agility when it talks about, about that. And, but it takes being intentional about paying attention to who's included in your program and who are all the allies that you're going to seek, right, to help make this successful. And so that has been really radically fun. And I'm like so glad that we're kindred spirits you know, trying to solve the same problem, you know, you know, and we have this in our, you know, this is a first world problem as well. It's not just in other countries as well. We have poverty here in the United States and we just have to acknowledge that. I'd like to hear from the other panelists to see if you guys have any contributions. One of the things that um, I think helps that's not quite as obvious or easy to count is for us as allies to be willing to hear about our mistakes to be willing to hurt when we see stuff that's horrible um and to model that to say stuff out loud that nobody wants to say yeah yes i think it's okay for us it, to it, make mistakes well and the first question was why are we so fearful yeah. and it, it it struck me you, Jenny, you mentioned safe to fail. The, the other concept that, that, that I always come back to is on an Agile team, when you fail, you take your failure bow to make it safe to fail. And the, the way I do the failure bow is I failed. I don't know if we want to celebrate <laughs> failure in the realm of diversity quite that way. Why wouldn't we? But wouldn't, yeah, why wouldn't we? Why what? wouldn't we? As long as there's learning from it and as long as we move forward from it. Well, because somebody's standing right in front of you hurting. Yeah. That's why. So making that learning visible and thanking the participation and the risk that was involved with that, I think is important. But not cheering. Yeah, the, cheer, the cheering maybe should take a little bit of a different form. But how would that affect the fearfulness if we, if, if we just very honestly said, we, we have failed? I'm kind of regretting my agreement with what I said when you said, but not cheering. Mm -hmm. And back to what we were talking about earlier about... Um, doing the things that we know how to do and doing them often and doing them the way that we do them. So, you know what? When I fail and I take a fail bow, there's something in me that's hurting right then. So me failing and, and, and just saying, I didn't do what was intended. Um, I, okay, so maybe what it is is that was about me and that was I own that yeah. and it was, it was um, recovery for me. Yeah. to do that so this is not i don't have the right to, to celebrate use levity yeah when i have harmed somebody else the, okay yeah um, the other that that it's 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 interesting what 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 i'm learning in this conversation the other when i when i teach the failure bow i i go back to the ted talk about it where the act of going i'm fail erases the failure to move on and i think in this case it's acknowledging the failure that we want to do, but not erasing it. And so that's another way the, that it's different. But, but we do want to be willing to acknowledge it out loud. Mm -hmm. That part I like a lot still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 I wonder who owns that. Again, if I fail in that area, it's a, I think I can recognize that. I think I can learn from it. But how do you make it out loud? In a way that... Well, you definitely can't force the other person to engage right, with right, you right. on it, right? right? Right. You have to accept my apology. No. <laughs> I would say that I have personally failed in production more than once. And 
it was very hard at first to find a way to apologize without hoping that somebody else would grace me with it's okay. It's not their responsibility for it to be okay for them. And it's, I think I'm better at it now and I hope to get better at it in the future. But the apology is sincere and offered. The way I think about it is that it's offered and how it is received is it doesn't have to be returned. So you're, you're just saying you, you need to be authentic in, in your apologies or the way, you know, even if you celebrate your failure, you just have to do it in a very authentic way. In fact, it's given, not offered. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for that. That's Thank you. Sorry, I forgot which way my thumb goes. <laughs> the next topic is... What don't I know? So there's an agile coach that has an exercise um, that I've enjoyed, Paul Carter, and we can put a link to it in the podcast. Um, but at the, the outcome of the exercise is that you look for the missing Fs, the letter F in some words and some sentences. And I have seen this catch on very well in his organization because people step back from decisions, from conversations and say, where are Fs? Who's not seeing the Fs and who could we bring in to help us see that? So how I've been using that is what don't I know? So what don't I know? Um, how How do I find out what information that I don't have that would be useful to a decision to make sure that I'm not creating harm, that I'm not putting out negative energy, that I am creating a space of inclusion, that I'm doing all of these things? What are the practices that I can take that says, what don't I know? You mean, how can you find out? Yeah, that's what I mean. How can... What, what are some, what, how do I find out? Read. Discovery. Read. A, there's a lot of stuff written about people's experiences and um, a lot of requests out there that allies read before they ask questions. Um, if you can name any off the top of your head, that would be fantastic. If not, uh, can we I'm put gonna, that link? No, I'm going to suggest when I'm struggling, I do Google it. I'm like, what am I needing to know about this topic that I don't know right now? People have written and there's, I mean, there's some stuff that's random, but there's some really, really powerful stories and hints and tips. Um, and there, there are a number of books. I mean, that I honestly think there are too many to mention. And what I enjoy about the process of discovery is that it's incident to incident. I am now in this space and I need to know about this. And so I know a little bit more about it. And then I'm going to have another space and it's going to lead me to somewhere else. I also recommend Twitter very much for following the kinds of people who are in the space, who are talking about it. Um, Yeah. People who are unfamiliar to you. Posting a question, right? I mean, that's one thing. I wouldn't post a question on Twitter, personally. Because? There's a lot of, it's an unsafe space, I suspect, in that area. Um, And it probably comes back to why are we fearful. There is a lot of, there are a lot of uninformed people and people who don't want change. And I actually don't even think they're a lot. I just think they're very vocal on Twitter and they flood the rest of the voices. So this is a space where I suggest taking care of yourself and working in communities that do feel safe to you. But certainly ask Google and other um, browsers, other search engines. So thank you. One thing you just gave me from that was, I I think the way I would rephrase my question was, where's the first yellow block of the yellow brick road? And you reminded me that there's a Google or there's a search engine or 
So thank you. And now I can own this. I can give you some awesome Twitter people to follow too. There are some awesome Twitter people. Um, the, I guess the other thing that comes to mind in this question is the, the, one of the rules for allies is do your homework, educate yourself. Um, because this is something that I see over and over again. And I see it on Twitter. I see it play out over and over again on Twitter. And I'm always somehow surprised when I see it, but not surprised that somebody tells a person with more privilege that they have been offensive. And then that person says, but why? And they said, there's Google find out and they say but how could i i'm only how can i learn if you don't educate me which is really hard it's a very fair question and if you don't think about it very hard it's also very tiring to be asked that question over and over and over again which is what the people who are answering the question that's their experience your experience is i'm just asking one question and their experience is this is the 10th time somebody has asked me this today but that's the 10th time somebody asked you that today it might be the first time that that thought had occurred for the person asking the question so i have seen that reaction um when somebody says how can i do better and they say don't ask me do your research and that happened to me today on something, so it's very fresh and raw for me. But I said, you know what? Somebody just said, how do I do better? And our answer has to be one of compassion. And the word choices can be specific and directive and educational, but include compassion in it. Well, our, our answer, but then it's whose answer? Our answer. So there are there are... I answer questions with my answer. I you have a lot of yeah. privilege. I, I, I may be able to answer that question for you, but I'm not. I, 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 or, or I may be able to tell you where to Google without, without the person who is, I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm losing the words. The, um, Let's be specific. What yeah. question what? would you ask that you don't know? Oh, yeah. just, I'm just the, asking. But what don't you know? And I, I, I have, um, I have trouble thinking of a universe for me that people are so fearful of asking the wrong question that they don't ask the question and they don't learn. Hmm. Well, the, one example I can and think of. And help me understand I, why that's a position of privilege. Well, so what you said was that someone. It sounded to me like what you were saying is that if you ask the question, someone's obligated to engage with you about it. And I'm saying that someone who has been hurt or who has answered this question 6,000 times already may not be in a place where they want to engage with you on it. And that's theirs to own. All right. So I would propose there's a better way to ask questions. I try very hard to do that. And maybe that's some of the learning that can go out there. To ask consent. Right. Oh, thank you. Yes. Hmm. I think that's a much better way of looking at it because I've been asked many, many different questions and it's just depends on how that person approach asking that question, you know, and if they come with humility and he says, look, I don't know this. Is it okay for me to ask you that question? And I'll, uh, for me, it's like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? Because yeah. they came with humility. I don't know. Maybe you have the answer, and could you help me? I mean, that is a perfectly okay thing to do with anyone, I believe, in, in most situations. Just being a person who have been asked many questions about, you know, things of color and, and, and issues with that. So. so let me give an example. I get a lot of questions about gender, and I've been pretty public that I'm willing to take questions about gender and respond to them openly, etc. I know people who are transgender, for whom transitioning has been a huge, huge battle, just really hard. And, you know, they spent 30 or 40 years not doing it. And they're in the middle of a struggle that is more intense than I know how to describe. And so some of the questions that are posed to me, if posed to them, would be incredibly uncomfortable. And so if they can manage to say, I don't want to talk about it, that's, 
that's really an accomplishment. Um, and I think I'm, I'm not black, but I imagine that there are people who have that same experience that, you know, I struggle every day. I get followed around convenience stores. I get harassed, whatever, in whatever way. And this is just my last nerve. Don't get on it. There is a book I can recommend in this space. I can't remember the author's name, but it's called Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. And it's, prob it's a really, really powerful read. And it answers all those questions. Well, uh, many questions. Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe that uh, she is still from time to time speaking to white people about race. But <laughs> there was a point where that was going to be it. There are there are there are allies who have blogged a lot about whatever the topic is that, that the question is on. There are other people in the in the space who have been very willing to talk to people and have written blogs and have FAQs and reading lists. And so the, the I think when somebody says uh, do your research, they they mean. They, they they mean yeah, yeah Google it you can you can Google it it's it's I'm tired I've had a whole I've had a long day and and like our our very I love I love Ash Ash Coleman our very good friend Ash Coleman and she said in our session I put myself in this space to be here and he, hear your I can't remember her exact words to hear your stuff and to answer your questions so it's okay now but I also got the message it might not be okay tonight at the bar because I've had enough of this. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's fair to hear that. I've just got one more uh, point on that. In when we haven't been the people doing the work, we aren't. We don't have insight into how much work is being done by minorities in explaining and in doing. And so the feeling of I can come along and ask you, and you can tell me and give me an answer, and it will be solved, is our experience of education, and it's not somebody else's experience of life so to respect the work that they have done by doing some work first or with them so something that just came up for me with that is I'm recognizing you know I live in Kansas City right I mean the diversity in in my area may be different than than others in lots of different ways um and what I don't want to do is have somebody that is in an echo chamber not be able to ask a question outside of their echo chamber and be shut down. What about asking um, other allies? Tell me more about what that means. So if I want to know something about black folk, what their experience is, I could ask Kara or Steve what they know, what they recommend. And that means I'm not putting an added burden on a person of color who's sitting across from me, like Dr. Dave. Well, and, and I guess I guess one of the things that um, I have seen in the last couple of days that has um, had some made me have some reactions is um, is there one right way? Like, I loved the suggestion that you just said, right? Go ask an ally, right? But I'm, I am a certain kind of person. Like, I'm an open book. I have no poker face, right? I love questions, and I love connecting people. So I'd like to just put that out there. I don't have rules around this. But I'm also in a position where I know a lot of people. And so, yes, I, and I know different personality types in different diversity groups, and so I know how to go look for the answer to a question that I'm unsure of. And so, um, I don't know, I guess I'm just, I'm throwing that out there in the universe. One thing I know about you is that you do ask consent. Okay. You say, is it okay for me to ask you? Mm. And you've asked me questions that way. And I think that works. Okay. We've satisfied, or at least we've discussed that question for quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> Lots of thumbs up. Lots of thumbs up on that. So the next card is Steve. 
The next, are we using the code of conduct to open up conversations, or, which code or, of conduct are we or shut about? them down? Any, actually, any code of conduct. I mean, some of our most recent experiences have been with the Agile Alliance code of conduct, and I might not even say with the Agile Alliance code of conduct, but with what people assume the Agile Co Alliance code of conduct says. But I, I have encountered it outside of this organization, um, so, so I've encountered it with many codes of conduct. Um, and, and it's, are we using the code of conduct to open up the conversation instead of shutting it down? One example, and this is a, a rather extreme one, is um, in reviewing sessions for for this track, uh, the track that I was chair of for this conference, one of the submitters uh, submitted a um, submitted a proposal that, in the abstract, used some profanity in a humorous way, and people people's feedback was, "You need to examine this in terms of the code of." conduct and then this actually might not be the best example but then the then the then the then the submitters came back with oh yeah i suppose during our facilitation a man might accidentally harass a woman so we'll walk watch out about that and i was like well that's we've we've shut down the conversation because the feedback the direct feedback was not given to them that it's about the profanity um, and so i i took the time to tell them okay the problem is these words are offensive and they're like, well, we don't think they are. Well, they are offensive for these because it's just a joke. And so, so we got in that conversation. In the end, they thank me for educating them on that. Um, this is actually an example of a different topic. So maybe we should edit this one out, but it is an interesting story it, in that being transparent about the situation allowed us to move forward and open up the conversation where the, this might just, this might violate code of conduct, just shut down the conversation with them deciding that they would watch to make sure a man didn't accidentally harass, accidentally or on purpose harass a woman. And it um, sounds like in that case, it did start a conversation. Yeah, it did. It did because um, someone asked me to get involved uh, and explain it. And I'm like, okay, wait, we need to we can explain it. The, the initial reaction was to shut it down. That's yeah. probably this question. I mean, I noticed that we're talking a lot about the code of conduct, conduct that I've ran into. I mean, should we do something like a public service announcement about that? And I'm being extreme about this, right? So that people are a lot more aware of, aware of this document or this writing that exists, such that even when we come to register for this event, that it's something that we have to acknowledge. Maybe there's a small video so that we have some understanding. Because look, how many people really read that document in, in, in its entirety? What? You know, how many people do? I'm pretty sure all of the female speakers and most of the female attendees and most minority, uh, I'm not sure about other minority groups. I'm not represented there. I haven't read it. I'm just, I'm just being I don't think so. a lot of people have read it also, yeah. and so this is another thing to make visible. Um, Kat Sweddle has been fantastic at publicizing. I don't speak at conferences without a code of conduct. And I was like, oh, I need to be that way too. I didn't, I didn't know to think that way. So I'd, I'd like to propose that we combine it with this, session, this uh, topic of, I'm not sure the word training on the code of conduct, but actually just getting into the depth of what the code of conduct, how it can serve us and being clear about the information or the, the suggestions inside there. Are we in agreement with, with doing that? Just make sure that we are. I think we can. I, okay. I wanted to throw out another example of using the code of conduct to not op to, to, um, open up rather than shut down. So what I wanted to say is that I care deeply about the code of conduct and as having been somebody who has offered to stand up and support, uh, be the person on call for a code of conduct violation at uh, conferences in South Africa, I've realized that really it's a guideline, but it doesn't offer a fallback mechanism. And when you look, at, and there are quite a few codes of conduct with variability, but they're very similar. And it feels to me like this is an area where we 
can go a lot deeper, that we can not just have a code of conduct, but have a policy about how a, a particular kind of violation, if somebody is feeling that they have been spoken to in a way that is uh, attack, an attack on their social identity, or if they feel that they are unsafe, there are different kinds of ways of navigating or dealing with both of those. It's if we know a method, if we know what kind of routines and procedures or um, options are available to us, it's much easier to not be afraid of whether you are violating the code of conduct and be clear of, I know this, this is something I'll be able to take care of. So it, f it feels to me that, that when we use the code of conduct to open conversations up, because there is a lot of fear around it and we don't know what we're gonna, what's going to happen if something, if we're alerted to something that's very difficult and we're, we don't want to be seen to be permitting behaviors or allowing things that are uh, hurtful to happen, it's easier to stop things and it's not... It, it's only easier because we don't have an alternate route. When we have an alternate route, we can be much more responsive and in the moment to what is happening. So let me think. I, let me see if I could repeat what I thought you heard you said. So the things that you're talking about is really to have a response to a specific offense that you know someone could take action on and, and get a result. Yes. Yes. Oh, it, it sounded it, the way you said it. I wondered if I'd maybe sounded like big design up front. If this, then that. But knowing that we have tools available to us, and knowing that we have skills to deal with difficult conversations and difficult situations, makes it l something less fearful for us on a day-to-day -day basis. Something, something that I've experienced at other conferences is uh, one conference in specific, uh, but I've heard it happening about at a lot of other conferences. There was a situation at an agile conference in Europe a few years ago, where somebody was displaying highly sexualized images as part of a slideshow during a lightning talk, and knowing the cultural circumstances. It probably had not dawned on this guy that that was inappropriate at all, but it was inappropriate. And one woman who uh, is very good in the technical space ran out of the room saying, who's going to do something about this? Who's going to do something about this? And then remembered that, and then, and then, and then later said, oh, I'm in charge of the code of conduct. So <laughs> actually this woman was the person who was supposed to. So, and, and I've been in, I, maybe I should have told somebody else's story because I was in a similar situation to that last year in the bar. I, I felt that there was an, an appropriate situation that was happening to me. And I said, who's going to do something about this? And they say, well, if you're in a, you know, go to your track chair. So maybe I needed to do something about this. When you're in the situation, you're going, what? I'm not sure what's happening here. And other people are also not sure how to respond, but having created the context to have those conversations, maybe even doing some, I mean, I kind of hate the role, role play, but doing some, I think you, you did this at the conference you were programming or conference chair of as having, uh, Cara is having role playing situations. When these things happen, ha we have been through the situation and have some tools to know how to react. I can't say I have done it, is what I would like to have done and is what I would like to do in future. I have done that. Um, so in um, a conference that I'm involved with, we um, not only looked at our code of conduct, we had people read it. We reached out to Agile Alliance actually and said, you went through a lot of effort with this. Can you help us know what we don't know? But then we, as the, as the organizing committee, we made sure that we all completely understood it. We put multiple ways to get a hold of people so that in case there was a, <clears throat> pardon me, a scenario where one of the conference organizing committee was involved with the situation, that there were other options for them. And then all of our volunteers 
went through training, including giving them physical material to take notes when something occurred so that they could um, be present in the moment but yet retain records of it. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot that you can do there in preparation so that when you're in the moment and you might not have that you don't have the oxygen mask, right? The code, of, the code of conduct violation was happening to you, right? I mean, somebody else needed to be able to step in too if you asked for it to help. help. Right. right. All right, so I would like to just, I think we're ready to wrap up and I would like to thank Cara, Steve, Jenny and Alex. Is there any final words that you guys would like to add before we move along in the conference? I just want to show some appreciation for this group. Um, we spent a little bit of time beforehand creating a safe space for this conversation, and I felt that we were all very true and authentic to it. So I just want to appreciate all of you. I really appreciate the fact that we are having these conversations, and they are not just quietly in a corner where we're discussing very hard topics out loud and on record and I, th I think it's a good place to start. I feel like I hear from a lot of people that they want to be better at loving other people and um, that's good because I sell that but uh, I think it's hard and there's a lot of work involved and so I'm glad we're talking about part of that work. Yeah, I, 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 I want to thank you guys. I'll, I want Oops. to thank all y'all. Thank y'all. I have been uh, pointed out by Tennessee to say you guys. And I want to say, I want to thank all y'all. Um, failure bow. There we go. Yeah, failure bow. I want to uh, thank all y'all and I think this is I, I think this is important because I think that well I well I, I'm not gonna I, I just think it's important that we have these conversations and create an environment that we can keep having these conversations. Yeah, and I, I really think these conversations are important. I know this is a start. Um, where we would like to get to is the so what now what pattern of where we could actually start doing something about it and start making things easier and better for everyone. Right? And, and that's where I'd like to get to. And that takes time and energy. So with that, thank you all for joining me tonight. This is awesome. The diversity and inclusion conversation is relevant in our workplaces, community, and homes. As agile coaches, we are responsible for making work humane. We owe it to teams and organizations to create safety for diverse teams with diverse identities. The identities include age, gender, race or ethnicity, religion or spirituality, socioeconomic status, accessibility, and sexual orientation. If you would like to keep this conversation going, visit www.nalshare.org. Nalshare is spelled K-N-O-L share.org and click on the Nalshare with Dr. Dave link to blog about your experiences. Thank you Agile Alliance members for demonstrating courage to create space for this conversation to take place. Let me finish by sharing the story that I shared at Agile Tonight during the Agile 2018 conference in San Diego, California. Diversity and Inclusion, the Inclusion Story. This is a story that I shared at Agile 2018 at the Agile Alliance Conference in San Diego, California. This story is based on several conversations with women and people of color about the experience of attending large Agile conferences. Diversity is measured by counting how many individuals are associated with a specific identity group attending this event. For example, 50 people attended open space, 30 white males, 15 females, three African-Americans, and two Asian-Americans. 
Inclusion is harder to measure because the focus is on creating an environment that enables people to participate without unconscious or conscious bias. The experience of attending the Agile Alliance and other large conferences do not feel inclusive in many of the events or conversations. Some of the inside track activities were not often invited to participate, although we're actively engaged in the Agile community as organizers, speakers, coaches, and trainers. It is a struggle to connect. Even when we have attempted to participate, we often get the yeah, yeah, and then moving on, never mind treatment. We have even sat with groups of people and introduced ourselves to bridge the inclusion gap, but often the reception is an attitude that we are invading space. I must say that some people have extended an invitation and we have built a relationship of mutual respect and trust. What drew us to Agile was one of the core values of people over processes and tools. The focus is on people to share more of what is common, which is our humanity. Perhaps we are expecting more than what was possible, given the nature of people's tribal behavior. Psychological safety have become a popular term and mindset in the Agile community, which may help to improve diversity and inclusion. However, we have to create change versus responding to change. The so what and now what mindset is relevant in this moment. So what that I've experienced, observed, and learned that I may not be included. Now what will I do to bring about change that may help others? A key agile human behavior is to demonstrate courage. We must be courageous to be inclusive at this Agile Alliance conference so we may have an opportunity to develop mutual respectful and beneficial relationships. Have you noticed the people included in creating the Agile Manifesto lacked both diversity and inclusion? Can you imagine what the Agile Manifesto could be if viewed through the lens of a diverse and inclusive group of people? You may contact my guest on Twitter, Cara Turner at Cara underscore Faye, Steve Holier at ZerkerArt, Jenny Tarwater at Jenny KCMO, and Alex Harms at One Alex Harms. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support of this podcast. Visit nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity and inclusion training. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays program. Visit the number five saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. Look for the Knowledge Share with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes and Google Play. The Knowledge Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. This podcast and interview produced by Dr. Dave Cornelius. Copyright 2018. Nalshare.